Hello, welcome to Monica Donald's. I'm sorry, but we're only serving McLibs today. Is that okay? Oh, good. Perfect. Hey. <laughs> okay, sorry, that was weird. If that was weird. But I don't care. Because ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I love you. <laughs> and I know you love McDonald's. And I also love and hate McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I love it. I hate it. I love hating it and I hate loving it. It's like just all of the business. Like I know it's not good for me, but also it's good for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It ain't good for my body, but it's good for my soul. And I need it sometimes, but also I've had it too much recently where it's just kind of yucky, very yucky. When you have too much, kind of yucky. That's my personal experience, but um, Anyway, hello, Libby. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello if you're not Libby. Um, incredible. Shocking. Emily? What? Hello? Girlfriend. Love you. Hello. Um, but I, today, I... Today? Today. Today is just spur of the moment, really. Um, I... Where do I start? Where do I start? Where do I start? Okay, so... I'll start here. After work today... <laughs> I finally, okay, actually today was a little bit stressful at work because we had a retro, which is a retrospective, which is a meeting where we had to talk about our feelings. And basically Amber was trying to be real and she's like literally asking the question, like, is there an issue being transparent and honest? Like if we have, if we have concerns with each other, we will bring them to each other as a team, correct? And like, Literally, we're just, <clears throat> me, Aaron, it doesn't, I, you know what, I don't even need to get into this. But we were sitting in the room, and they were just silent. They're just silent. And so I just feel like today was awkward, because they are cowards, basically. Um, and I did my best to uh, politely, like, explain and try and help Amber understand, like, where we're coming from. But, like, I don't know. It's, it's a rough one. So after work today, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a little road trip down to the smoke shop because I'm very curious. And for the record, for the record, I feel like I have to say this because I know that I'm talking to you, Libby, and you, Emily, my dear friends who are my age, who are grown adult women, um, you know, but there's the possibility that someone who's not a grown person is listening. So for the record, I am I'm an adult. I can legally consume these things. So I'm not saying that you should. I, I, uh, yeah. I'm not saying you should. I advise against it in your youth. <laughs> That's my personal advice. But, um, anyway. So I went to the smoke shop and I was like, let's see what we got here. Because I know that there are some legal substances I can purchase here in my state. And... Um, that being Delta 8 THC. So it's the hemp derived, I think that's what it, I really don't know. Delta 9, what is Delta 9? Delta 9 is the, the real dealio, except it's from hemp. Not, I don't, it, it, I don't, I, it, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. All I know is that Delta 8, I can buy it in the store and it would theoretically fail a drug test for me probably just the same as illegal substances 
Um, but whatever. So, I, 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 I bought it legally. That's all I'm saying. Um, and so I, I bought myself a vape card. This thing is just a chonky, chonky vape cartridge if I've ever seen one. See, the thing is, is I've gotten addicted to vapes. <laughs> the concept of a vape is addicting because it's just like there at your, there's no, it's just in your pocket. Don't do it. Children, don't do the vape. The vape is an addict. It's terrible. Don't do the vape. What can I say? I'm addicted to the thing. That's why I'm advised against it. What? I bought myself a, <laughs> this thing. And so, uh, whatever. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there, but, um, I might hit every once in a while. Look at us. I am addicted. But, uh, what was I doing? I was like feeling bored. That's what I'm doing <laughs> recently. 20 minutes ago when Jared left. When he departed to go to the fire department, because he's like a responsible person who does responsible things. And, um, anyway, I, I, uh, I was like, I need to be productive. I will be productive after this. I don't know, Libby, thank you for giving me this opportunity to be unproductively productive. Like, I'm being effective. I'm effectively giving myself a boost. This is like an appetizer for being productive is really what it is because it's like fun, but it's productive in the same way. And so it gets me, me energized to be like, yeah, I can do more. I will. I want to clean the house. Like I want to do tasks. I don't want to be trapped looking at a screen. Okay. The screens have trapped me. They trapped me. So anyway, I'm going to, I'm still going to be trapped by the screen because here's the dealyizzle. I was like, what can I do? What can I say to you? Because Monica hasn't learned anything. <laughs> Monica hasn't learned. Monica hasn't studied. And I shouldn't be saying my name like that, but I can't help but refer to myself now in the, in, in the third person. Um, so, I, so in that endeavor, I was like, what can I read for free? <laughs> because using someone else's content feels easier. It is easier, obviously. Swig. I had to take a little gurgle from this water bottle, but, um, seriously. So I'm like, I remembered, I remembered. So I go, well, I Googled it, but I'm dumb. And I Googled books I can read. If that's not the dumbest Google search I've ever made, because it's like, the e then it's just like children's book that if you know the alphabet and you know what you like a very beginner learner can read these books and that's not what I meant what I meant was <laughs> books I can read legally online for freeze not to get in trouble for doing so you know like that that's what I meant but <laughs> okay um but there's also this wonderful source which I had heard about previously and it had been brought to my attention again by the wonderful, delightful Yara. And so the Gutenberg project is what it's called. And, um, but so I first was like looking through a list of things that I could like basically old stories that I could read. And, um, what I came upon was Grimm's fairy tales. And I got so excited because I have a book on my shelf. So I got up and I ran to my bookshelf. And in so doing, I punched myself right in the boob. And then I thought, man, I'm a boob punch. And I laughed to myself. And I thought, what a hilarious joke for me to tell Libby 
on my way doing this, I feel so <laughs> blessed to be given such an opportunity. So anyway, now I opened the book and I looked and I looked right inside because I know I've learned my lesson here, people. I opened this baby and I thought, oh, how beautiful. And then I read, all rights reserved. No part of this publication may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means electronic, mechanical, photocopying, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission from the publisher. What a delightful little thing. So, alas, I have my beautiful book of Grimm's Complete Fairy Tales, written not by the Grimm's, no, but by all their people. And so I can't read those ones to you. But I can read the ones written by the actual Brothers Grimm. Only Gutenberg <laughs> Gutenberg.org. That is G-U-T-E-N-B-E-R-G dot O-R-G. Okay? This is awesome. So what are we gonna start with? Uh, I don't know I don't really have a plan, but um I, we're gonna start with Rapunzel. Ugh! I don't know if you've ever heard, sorry, there's a, there is a fruit fly or some tiny fly flying around me. And I just don't have the patience for that. I'm very jazzed up and ready to do this. <clears throat> but uh, here we go, I guess. I, this is, <laughs> these are the Grimm's fa Grimm fairy tales that you did not ask for. Starting with Rapunzel. Hmm. There were once a man and a, a man. <laughs> okay, a man and a woman. A woman? Okay, let me... I'm gonna rewrite this myself. There were once a woman and a man who had long in vain wished for a child. At length, the woman hoped that God was about to grant her desire. These people had a little window at the back of their house from which a splendid garden could be seen, which was full of the most beautiful flowers and herbs. Herbs. I love herbs. It doesn't say that. I See, here's the thing. I am interjecting things that it doesn't say. And so, in that way, I mean, am I really reproducing? I get that I'm reproducing it, but do I have to? I'm, I'm not going to say that I didn't. You know, it, you know what it says and what it doesn't say. You know what I'm saying, right? Because I'm just going to stop doing that. <laughs> it was, however, surrounded by a high wall and no one dared to go into it because it belonged to an enchantress who had great power and was dreaded by all the world. All the world. What? Hold on. Okay. It w their garden their garden is surrounded by a high wall. Okay, okay, okay. That's what I get it. Okay. Because I'm like, what? Their whole house is surrounded by a wall? No, okay, I'm done. One day, the woman was standing by this window and looking down into the garden when she saw a bird which was <laughs> dumb no it doesn't say bird she saw a bed which was planted with the most beautiful rampion rapunzel in parentheses and it looked so fresh and green that she longed for it she quite pined away and began to look pale oh what she looked pale and miserable shapes then her husband was alarmed and asked, What ails, what ails you, dear wife? Ah, uh, she replied, If I can't eat some of the rampion, which is in the garden behind our house, I shall die. The man who loved her thought, 
Sooner than let your wife die, bring her some of the rampion herself. Let it cost what it will. At twilight, he clambered down over the wall into the garden of the enchantress. Oh, I see. Wait, what? Oh, I'm dumb. Okay, I'm so dumb. <laughs> I'm clearly not understanding this story as I read it. Clearly. And I'm also losing track of where I am. So I need to like open a file browser or something to track with because it's just too difficult. Anyway, okay. Where were we? He was going to go do it. He clambered over the wall into the garden. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. <clears throat> he clambered over the wall into the garden of the enchantress hastily clutched a, a handful of rampion and took it to his wife. She had once made herself a salad of it and ate it greedily. It tasted so good to her, so very good, that the next day she longed for it three times as much as before. If he was to have any rest, her husband must once more descend into the garden. In the gloom of evening, therefore, he let himself down again, but when he had clambered down the wall, he was terribly afraid, for he saw the enchantress standing before him. "'How can you dare?' said she, with, an with angry look. "'Descend into my garden and steal my rampion like a thief. You shall suffer for it!' "'Ah,' answered he, "'let mercy take place of justice. I only made up my mind to do it out of necessity. My wife saw your rampion from the window and felt such a longing for it that she would have died if she had not got some to eat.' Then the enchantress allowed her anger to be softened and said to him, If the case be as you say, I will allow you to take away with you as much rampion as you will, only I make one condition. You must give me the child which your wife will bring into the world. It shall be well treated, and I will care for it like a mother. The man, in his terror, consented to everything. And when the woman was brought to bed, the enchantress appeared at once, gave the child the name of Rapunzel, and took it away with her. Rapunzel grew into the most beautiful child under the sun. When she was just, no, I it doesn't say just, but I'm going to say it, because just 12 years old. Excuse me while I swig. When she was just 12 years old, the enchantress shut her into a tower which lay in a forest and had neither stairs nor door nor door <laughs> but quite at the top was a little window when the enchantress wanted to go in she placed herself beneath it and cried rapunzel rapunzel let down your hair to me rapunzel had magnificent long hair fine as spun gold and when she heard the voice of the enchantress, she unfastened her braided tresses, wound them round one of the hooks of the window above, and then the hair fell twenty ells down, and the enchantress climbed up by it. Twenty ells. What is an L? E-L-L. -L. I'd like to search the interwebs for this. It's the plural form of L. Wow, how friggin' helpful is that? Uh, okay, any of several historic units of measurement, originally based on the length of the arm or forearm, but later standardized at other lengths, such as the English L of 45 inches, 114 centimeters. Okay, um, okay, sure, okay, sure, all right. 
Anyway, so she let her hair fall down 20 L's and the enchantress climbed up by it. After a year or two, a year or two? <laughs> no, okay, sorry. I've totally been pulled out of the story. After a year or two, it came to pass that the king's son rode through the forest and passed by the tower. Then he heard a song which was so charming that he stood still and listened. This was Rapunzel, who in her solitude passed her time in letting her sweet voice resound. The king's son wanted to climb up to her and looked for the door of the tower, but none was to be found. Hold on. I'm going to hold the phone. Hold door. Because is she, like, where did she learn the songs that she's singing? Because, okay, well, she was trapped away when she was 12. Okay, so she probably, okay. Oh, okay. Never mind. I get it. Okay, so here we go. The king's son wanted to climb up to her and looked for the door of the tower, but none was to be found. He rode home. But the singing had so deeply touched his heart that every day he went out into the forest and listened to it. Once, when he was thus standing behind a tree, he saw that an enchantress came there, and he heard how she cried, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair to me! Then Rapunzel let down the braids of her hair, and the enchantress climbed up to her. If that is the ladder by which one mounts, I too will try my fortune, said he. And the next day, when it began to grow dark, he went to the tower and cried, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair to me. Immediately the hair fell down and the king's, the king's son climbed up. At first, Rapunzel was terribly frightened when a man, such as her eyes had never yet beheld, came to her. But the king's son began to talk to her quite like a friend and told her that his heart had been so stirred that it had let him have no rest and he had been forced to see her. Then Rapunzel lost her fear and when he asked her if she would take him for her husband and she saw that he was young and handsome, she thought, he will love me more than old Dame Gothel does. And she said yes and laid her hand in his. She said, I will willingly go away with you, but I do not know how to get down. Bring with you a skein, a skein, a skein of silk every time that you come and I will weave a ladder with it. And when that is ready, I will descend and you will take me on your horse. They agreed that until that time he should come to her every evening for the old woman came by day. The enchantress remarked nothing of this until once Rapunzel said to her, Tell me, Dame Goth, Dame, tell me, Dame Gothel, how it happens that you are so much heavier for me to draw up than the king, than the young king's son. He is with me in a moment. Ah, you wicked child, cried the enchantress. What do I hear you say? I thought I had separated you from all the world, and yet you have deceived me. In her anger, she clutched Rapunzel's beautiful tresses, wrapped them twice round her left hand, seized a pair of scissors with the right, and snip-snap they were cut off, and the lovely braids lay on the ground. And she was so pitiless that she took poor Rapunzel into a desert where she had to live in great grief and misery. On the same day that she cast out Rapunzel, however, the enchantress fastened the braids of hair which she had cut off to the hook of the window and when the king's son came and cried rapunzel rapunzel let down your hair to me she let down the she let the hair down the king's son ascended 
but instead of finding his dearest Rapunzel, he found the enchantress who gazed at him with wicked and venomous looks. Aha! She cried mockingly. You will fetch your dearest, but the beautiful bird sits no longer singing in the nest. The cat has got it and will scratch out your eyes as well. Rapunzel is lost to you. You will never see her again. The king's son was beside himself with pain, and in his despair, he leapt down from the tower. He escaped with his life, but the thorns into which he fell pierced his eyes. Then he wandered quite blind about the forest, ate nothing but roots and berries, and did not but lament and weep over the loss of his dearest wife. Wait, when did you get married? Okay, sure. Thus... He roamed about in misery for some years, and at length came to the desert where Rapunzel, with the twins to which she had given birth, a boy and a girl, lived in wretchedness. He heard a voice, and it seemed so familiar to him that he went towards it, and when he approached, Rapunzel knew him and fell on his neck and wept. Two of her tears wetted his eyes, and they grew clear again, and he could see with them as before. He led her to his kingdom, where he was joyfully received, and they lived for a long time afterwards, happy and contented. Wowzer, that was like a nice ending. You know, people are like, oh, it's so bad, because blindness and blah 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 it's like well they, they were happy ever after i guess still i mean he had to suffer but it was okay <sighs> i don't know what else to read what do we got here oh sorry i'd take a swig okay let me let me find one and i'll be back in a sec all right i found one it's not that long. I chose it because it's short, but I've never heard it and I didn't read it actually. I just kind of <laughs> looked at how short it was. Anyway, okay. It's called The Fox and the Horse. A farmer had a horse that had been an excellent faithful servant to him, but he was now grown, but he had, it does say that, but he was now grown too old to work. So the farmer would give him nothing more to eat and said, I want you no longer, so take yourself off out of my stable. I shall not take you back again until you are stronger than a lion. Then he opened the door and turned him adrift. Whoa, what a jerk! The poor horse was very melancholy. And well, no kidding, of course, of course he got kicked out of your house for being old. It's not fair, we all get old. Anyway, <laughs> he wandered up and down in the wood, seeking some little shelter from the cold wind and rain. Presently, a fox met him. What's the matter, my friend? said he. Why do you hang down your head and look so lonely and woebegone? Ah, replied the horse, justice and avarice. what? Avarice. Avarice? I'm Googling it. Not Googling. I'm using DuckDuckGo, actually, because I don't want to be dragged anymore. Any hoot. Avarice. I don't know. I can't. I don't know how to read phonetic things and also whatever. It means immodest desire for wealth. Cupidity. Oh, yeah, okay. An inordinate desire of gaining and possessing wealth. Covetousness. Oh, there we go. Greediness. Oh, sure. Insatiable desire of gain. Okay, here we go. Ah, replied the horse. Justice and avarice never dwell in one house. 
My master has forgotten all that I have done for him so many years, and because I can no longer work, he has turned me adrift, and says unless I become stronger than a lion, he will not take me back again. What chance can I have of that? He knows I have none, or he would not talk so. However, the fox bid him be of good cheer, <laughs> and said, I will help you. Lie down there, stretch yourself out quite stiff, and pretend to be dead. The horse did as he was told, and the fox went straight to the lion who lived in a cave close by and said to him, A little way off lies a dead horse. Come with me, and you may make an excellent meal of his carcass. The lion was greatly pleased and set off immediately. And when they came to the horse, the fox said, You will not be able to eat him comfortably here. I'll tell you what. I will tie you fast to his tail, and then you can draw him to your den and eat him at your leisure. This advice pleased the lion, so he laid himself down quietly for the fox to make him fast. Wait, what? Am I dumb? Like, okay, I've immediately lost track of what's going on here. He's going to tie... I'll tell you what, I'll tie you fast to his tail, and then... Uh, I don't get what that means. I will tie you fast to... Scooby, huh? I gotta go with this. Tie you fast to his tail. Like you're doing it quickly or does it mean something that I don't understand? <laughs> okay, whatever. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna keep reading because I don't understand. This advice please learn so he laid himself down quietly for the fox to make him, fa make him fast to the... Oh, so he's tying. Oh, okay, sure. But the fox managed to tie his legs together and bound all so hard and fast that with all his strength, he could not set himself free. Oh, there we go. Oh, I just had to keep reading. I'm a doof. I just had to take a, take a little swig there. You know, sometimes you just got to keep reading. And it will all make sense. But sometimes it, you keep reading and it makes absolutely no more sense. Anyway, here we go. When the work was done... The fox clapped to the horse on the shoulder and said, Jip, Dobbin, Jip! Then up he sprang and moved off, dragging the lion behind him. The beast began to roar and bellow, till all the birds of the wood flew away for fright. But the horse let him sing on and made his way quietly over the fields to his master's house. Here he is, master, said he. I have got the better of him. And when the farmer saw his old servant, his heart relented, and he said, Thou shalt stay in thy stable and be well taken care of. And so the poor old horse had plenty to eat and lived till he died. <laughs> all right. Curious. Very curious. That didn't take very long at all. I think I'm going to do one more. I'm going to go look for one. Okay, BRB. Here we go. All right. The Raven. I like the sounds of this. I didn't actually read any of it yet, but I like the sound of a raven. Okay. Here we go. There was once a queen who had a little daughter, still too young to run alone. How young is that? I have no idea. One day the child was very troublesome and the mother could not quiet it. So what she was... <laughs> what? Do what she would, is what it says. Okay, and the mother could not quite do what she would. She grew impatient, and seeing the ravens flying round the castle, she opened the window and said, I wish you were a raven and would fly away. Then I should have a little peace. Scarcely were the words out of her mouth 
when the child in her arms was turned into a raven and flew away from her through the open window. The bird took its flight to a dark wood and remained there for a long time. And meanwhile, the parents could hear nothing of their child. Long after this, the man was making his way through the wood when he heard a raven calling and he followed the sound of the voice. As he drew near, the raven said, Now, I can't talk like a raven because ravens are scary. No, they're not scary. They just, their voices are creepy AF because they're not, because they're like, what is that word? What's the word, 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 word? Now I gotta Google the word. What's the word? Word? When something is human, but not human enough. Okay, Googling, not Googling, duck, duck, going. Uncanny Valley. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's what I'm talking about. All right. It's Uncanny Valley when ravens talk because it like is a, you know, I feel the same way about parrots, about really any bird that talks. Um, oh, spooky. Okay, hold on. Let me take a hit of the vibe. Okay, so. He, uh, the, the, the raven, <laughs> the raven called to him and said, I am by birth a king's daughter. Oh. <laughs> I am by birth a king's daughter, but am now under the spell of some enchantment. Oh, maybe she talks like this. I am by birth a king's daughter and, <laughs> no, but am now under the spell of some enchantment. You can, however, set me free. What am I to do? Yes, he asked. She replied. Go farther into the wood until you come to a house wherein lives an old woman. She will offer you food and drink, but you must not take of either. If you do, she will fall. You will fall into a deep sleep and will not be able to help me. In the garden behind the house is a large tan heap. What's a tan? Oh, a heap of tan. Tanned hides? I'm guessing. That's what I'm guessing, right? Libby, does this feel right to you? Um... As, as your stepfather is, in fact, a trap, trapper man, trapper man. Oh, no, it's not at all. It's literally not at all. Tan heap, the crushed bark of the oak or what? Oh, sure. Oh, of course. It's an infusion of witches used in covering hides in, con- sorry, converting hides into leather. Of course, of course, of course. That's crazy. Okay. Sorry, tan heap. Okay. In the garden behind there is a house is a large tan heap. And on that, you must stand and watch for me. I shall drive there in my carriage at two o'clock in the afternoon for three successive days. The first day it will be drawn by four white, the second by four chestnut, and the last by four black horses. But if you fail to keep awake and I find you sleeping, I shall not be set free. The man promised to do all that she wished, but the raven said, Alas, I know even now that you will take something from the woman and be unable to save me. The man assured her again that he would on no account touch a thing to eat or drink. When he came to the house and went inside, the old woman met him and said, Poor man, how tired you are. Come in and rest. Let me give you something to eat and drink. No, answered the man, I will neither eat not, what? I will neither eat not drink. 
But she would not leave him alone and urged him, saying, If you will not eat anything, at least you might take a draught of wine. One drink counts for nothing. And at last he allowed himself to be persuaded and drank. As, no. Drunk, buzz driving is drunk driving. As it drew, and I'm not kidding about that. That's not a joke. But actually, okay. As it drew towards the appointed hour, he went outside into the garden and mounted the tan heap to await the raven. Suddenly, a feeling of fatigue came over him, and unable to resist it, he lay down for a little while, fully determined, however, to keep awake. But in another minute, his eyes closed of their own accord, and he fell into such a deep sleep that all the noises in the world would not have awakened him. At two o'clock, the raven came driving along, drawn by her four white horses. But even before she reached the spot, she said to herself, sighing, I know he has fallen asleep. When she entered the garden, there she found him, as she had feared, lying on the tan heap fast asleep. She got out of her carriage and went to him. She called him and shook him, but it was all in vain. He still continued sleeping. The next day at noon, the old woman came to him again with food and drink, which he at first refused. At last, overcome by her persistent entreaties that he would take something, he lifted the glass and drank again. Towards two o'clock, he went into the garden and on to the tan heap to watch for the raven. He had not been there long before he began to feel so tired that his limbs seemed hardly able to support him, and he could not stand upright any longer. So again he lay down and fell fast asleep. As the raven drove along her four chestnut horses, she said, sorrowf <laughs> she said sorrowfully to herself, I know he has fallen asleep. She went as before to look for him, but he slept, and it was impossible to awaken him. The following day, the old woman said to him, What is this? You are not e eating or drinking anything. Do you want to kill yourself? He answered, I may not and will not either eat or drink. But she put down the dish of food and the glass of wine in front of him, and when he smelt the wine, he was unable to resist the temptation and took a deep draught. When the hour came round again, he went as usual on to the tan heap in the garden to await the king's daughter, but he felt even more overcome with weariness than on the two previous days, and throwing himself down, he slept like a log. At two o'clock, the raven could be seen approaching, and this time her coachman and everything about her, as well as her horses, were black. She was sadder than ever as she drove along and said mournfully, I know he has fallen asleep and will not be able to set me free. She found him sleeping heavily, and all her efforts to awaken him were of no avail. Then she placed beside him a loaf and some meat and a flask of wine, of such a kind that, however, much he took of them, they would never grow less. After that, she drew a gold ring, on which her name was engraved, off her finger. Hold on, is she not a raven? Am I dumb? Is she just like... What is a raven? Is it just a black-haired person? Like, what does that mean? You know, like, raven hair. I don't know. <laughs> I feel so confused. Anyway, where was I? Now I scrolled and I lost sight of where I was. Oh my gosh, I don't know. 
Okay, I think I'm a doofus. And I think she was a raven, but maybe she's like friggin' like, what's her name? Princess Fiona from Shrek. Like she changes back and forth, I think. But maybe not anyway. Okay, she, okay. After she drew a golden ring on which her name was engraved off her finger and put it upon one of his. Finally, she laid a letter near him, in which, after giving him particulars of the food and drink she had left for him, she finished with the following words. I see that as long as you remain here, you will never be able to set me free. If, however, you still wish to do so, come to the golden castle of Stromberg. This is well within your power to accomplish. She then returned to her carriage and drove to the golden castle of Stromberg. When the man awoke and found that he had been sleeping, he was grieved at heart and said, She has no doubt been here and driven away again, and it is now too late for me to save her. Then his eyes fell on the things which were lying beside him. He read the letter and knew from it all that had happened. He rose up without delay, eager to start on his way and to reach the castle of Stromberg, but he had no idea in which direction he ought to go. He traveled, about a, he traveled about a long time in search of it and came at last to a dark forest, through which he went on walking for 14 days. Holy moly! Went on walking for 14 days and still could not find a way out. Once more the night came and worn out he lay down under a bush and fell asleep. Again the next day he pursued his way through the forest, and that evening, thinking to rest again, he lay down as before, but he heard such a howling and wailing that he found it impossible to sleep. He waited till it was darker, and people had begun to light up their houses, and then, seeing a little glimmer ahead of him, he went towards it. And this feels like a perfect break for me to take a swig of my beverage and <laughs> a hit of my pen. Glug, glug, glug. No regrets. No regrets. Maybe I should... Oh, maybe I'll... Oh, I'm scared I'm going to start quaffing, so I need to take it easy. Anyway, okay. Okay. Uh, I just realized, by the way, that it is 5.55, so the cat is going to come for me. But anyway... Okay, the glimmer. There's a glimmer ahead of him and he went towards it. He found that the light came from a house which looked smaller than it really was, from the contrast of its height with that of an immense giant who stood in front of it. He thought to himself, If the giant sees me going in, my life will not be worth much. However, after a while, he summoned up courage and went forward. When the giant saw him, he called out, is it lucky for that you have come, for I have not had anything to eat for a long time. I can have you now for my supper. I would rather you let that alone, said the man, for I do not willingly give myself up to be eaten. If you are wanting food, I have enough to satisfy your hunger. If that is so, replied the giant, oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. This is happening to us again. It's in real life. This is real life. This is happening. And this is not staged. I cannot believe the audacity of my life. Okay, here we go. I'm going to pretend like nothing's happening. If that is so, replied the giant, I will leave you in peace. I only thought of eating you because I had nothing else. Oh my gosh, seriously? 
Anyway, um, if you didn't, if you didn't hear it, the cat, I don't know if he farted or took a poo, took a poo near me, basically. In his box, though, so it's okay. Uh, when they went indoors together and sat down, and the man brought out the beer, meat, and wine, which, although he had eaten and drunk of them, were still unconsumed. The giant was pleased with the good cheer and ate and drank to his heart's content. When he had finished his supper, the man asked him if he could direct him to the castle of Stromberg. The giant said, I will look on my map. On it are marked all the town's villages and houses. So he fetched his map and looked for the castle, but could not find it. Never mind, he said. I have larger maps upstairs in the cupboard. We will look on those. But they searched in vain, for the castle was not marked even on these. The man now thought he should like to continue his journey, but the giant begged him to remain for a day or two longer until the return of his brother, who, excuse me, I'm burping, until the return of his brother, who was away in search of provisions. When the brother came home, he a they asked him about the castle of Stromberg, and he told them he would look on his own maps as soon as he had eaten and appeased his hunger. Accordingly, when he had finished his supper... They, oh my god, I got a stench. It's wafted to me. Oh, what? And I could just hear him in the other room also, in his litter box in the other room. I could hear him being disgusting. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh, here we go. Accordingly, when he had finished his supper, they all went up together to his room and looked through his maps, but the castle was not to be found. Then he fetched another older map. He fetched other older maps, and they went on looking for the castle until at last they found it but it was many thousand miles away. How shall I be able to get there? asked the man. I have two hours to spare. Oh, I have two hours to spare, said the giant, and I will carry you into the neighborhood of the castle. I must then return to look after the child who is in our care. Oh, God, it's stinky. The giant thereupon carried the man to within about a hundred leagues of the castle when he left him, saying... You will be able to walk the remainder of the way yourself. The man journeyed on. <laughs> oh my gosh. Holy crap. Did he fart? Just fart in here? What the heck is going It's so stinky. Oh my god. I have to pinch my nose. I'm so sorry. Alright. Pardon me. Um, okay. He's walking to work. He journeyed on day and night until he reached the Golden Castle of Stromberg. He found it situated, however, on a glass mountain. And looking up from the foot, he saw the enchanted maiden drive round her castle and then go inside. He was overjoyed to see her and longed to get to the top of the mountain. But the sides were so slippery that every time he climbed, oh, he attempted to climb, he fell back again. When he saw that it was impossible to reach her, he was greatly grieved and said to himself, I will remain here and wait for her. So he built himself a little hut, and there he sat and watched for a whole year. And every day he saw the king's daughter driving round her castle, but still was unable to get nearer to her. Looking out from his hut one day, he saw three robbers, three robbers, fighting, and he called out to them, God be with you. They stopped when they heard the call. But looking round and seeing nobody, they went on again with their fighting, which now became more furious. 
God be with you, he cried again. And again they paused and looked about, but seeing no one went back to their fighting. A third time he called out, God be with you! And then thinking he should not... He, he should like to know the cause of dispute between the three men. He went out and asked them why they were fighting so angrily with one another. One of them said that he had found a stick and that he had but to strike it against any door through which he wished to pass and it immediately flew open. Another told him that he had found a cloak which rendered its wearer invisible and the third had caught a horse which would carry its rider over any obstacle and even up the glass mountain. They had been unable to decide whether they would keep together and have the things in common or whether they would separate. On hearing this, the man said, I will give you something in exchange for those three things, not money, for that I have not got, but something that is far more val of far more value. I must first, however, prove whether all you have told me about your three things is true. The robbers, therefore, made him get on the horse and handed him the stick and the cloak, and when he had put his this round him, he was no longer visible. Then he fell upon them with the stick and beat them one after another, crying, There, you idle vagabonds, and you have got what you deserve. Are you satisfied now? <laughs> What a, what a, whoa, wow. After this, I'm just like shook that they let him, you know, whatever. They gave it to him, basically. Anyway, after this, he rode up the glass mountain. When he reached the gate of the castle, he found it closed. But he gave it a blow with his stick, and it flew wide open at once, and he passed through. He mounted the steps and entered the room where the maiden was sitting, with a golden goblet full of wine in front of her. She could not see him, for he still wore his cloak. He took the ring which she had given him off his finger and threw it into the goblet, so that it rang as it touched the bottom. "'That is my own ring!' she exclaimed. "'And if that is so, the man must also be here who is coming to set me free!' She sought for him about the castle, but could find him nowhere." Meanwhile, okay, she, so she can recognize the, the ring-a-ding-ding that a ring makes? Meanwhile, he had gone outside again and mounted his horse and thrown off the cloak. When therefore she came to the castle gate, she saw him and cried aloud for joy. Then he dismounted and took her in his arms and she kissed him and said, Now you have indeed set me free and tomorrow we will celebrate our marriage. And also he threw the cloak on the ground, which means it was became invisible and they never found it again. Just kidding, that piece I added. <laughs> All right, I think that feels like a good amount of storying. Um, so I hope that uh, I hope that was uh, all right for you. All right, later.